You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I'm one of your hosts, Roger Gaddis. And I am your other host, Jason Wheeler. And today is uh, highly anticipated. I'm pretty excited about this episode. Yeah, it's Friday. We're about to leave the office. <laughs> yeah, well, we, after after much deliberation and consideration, and you know, we just couldn't help it anymore. We have to do an episode on the GMD, as it's known, uh, Facebook's grain market discussion. And for that, we could only, uh, there's only one person we could bring in to uh, to help us, guide us through this. We have a special guest today to, a guest co-host, if you will, as we parse through all this. We have uh, Susan David on the line. So Susan, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. <laughs> Good, us too. We uh, so I guess quickly to, as as we start here, let people know who you are and and uh, how you came to be in this situation. We're associated <laughs> with us. Why? Why? <laughs> uh, well, I guess I had about a fifteen year merchandising career um, that started at a small country elevator where I was first acquainted with white commercial. So thank you for that. I feel like you got me into, uh, I feel like I started merchandising the right way with your training as far as basis and such goes. Um, I spent some years with ADM in the St. Louis market and five years with Consolidated Grain and Barge also in the St. Louis market. That facility is known as Cahokia, Illinois. And the last year or so, I've been working with Reading Huber Ag Consulting. So we do um, marketing and advisor, uh, serve as an advisor for producers. I tell people now that essentially they're paying to be my friend. Um, Most farmers will chuckle at that a little bit, but it's just that my job is here to help you in your marketing quest. And sometimes that ends up um, playing Dr. Phil a little bit, which is fine. So uh, I do appreciate though you guys having me on. All right, cool. Well, we are right. And and, uh, I guess it's Twitter DMs and texts and stuff, but uh, Susan uh, talks back and forth with us about uh, GMD posts also as we We've uh, <laughs> shared we, stories. And we analyze, we uh, discuss, you know, yeah, you use your Dr. Phil skill, skills on what they're thinking. And I don't know, we um, not, not thinking. In <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a, you know, it, I think it takes a certain temperament and understanding to to uh, to do what we're about to do and go through here with an open mind. <laughs> and we, we, we on purpose went and found this stuff. And I don't think most people would do that uh, in the right mind, but Jason and I did. And uh, but you know when it when it comes to these kind of things, you know we we poke fun and we we uh, laugh at some of this stuff. But I think in the end, and, and Susan, you could probably attest to this. You know, 
our job when we're when we're dealing with producers uh, and with some of these topics or all of those topics is to try to unconfuse people and and simplify all of the the explanations that are floating around out there for anything, whether it be basis or, or, or contracts or whatever it is. And so uh, I, I want folks to come away from this episode today uh, with that in mind. You know, it's it's uh, there's some crazy stuff out here and we laugh at it. But in the end, uh, we either have to confront it and fix it or we're just going to bang our head against the wall fighting against it from from time for time immemorial. So, uh, yeah. That's, uh, I think, the, the thrust of this today. And uh, Susan, you know, as, as you said yourself, working with producers now directly, uh, you don't have to get on the Facebook GMD to, to, you know, have to deal with some of this stuff. I imagine you get questions pop up from time to time uh, with people asking stuff that you kind of got to make you scratch your head, I would imagine. Yeah, with anything there are misconceptions and it seems like in this business, there are maybe more misconceptions than, than some others. Um, I think it's unfortunate. And even as a merchandiser and in the seat that I am now, I mean, I think education is really important and it's just trying to help people understand their own industry better, help them make better decisions, that sort of thing. Um, I hate the mentality where it's the everyone is out to get me mentality and where you always have uh, have your guard up because you think that, that someone is out to do you harm when maybe it's a matter of just trying to understand some of the basics and the fundamental reasons that things change in the market and especially in this type of market where things can change quickly um, and there are problems are often much deeper than what it what appears on the surface level with a fast change in basis at your local elevator or something like that. So I think this is an important conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good segue into how we start. We, we actually first mentioned, I think, a GMD post on the podcast a long time ago, a couple of years, I think. It's been, we did our green mafia. We've been doing it for two years. I don't know. <laughs> I just like to say a decade that. ago. I don't know. It was a million years, but um, no, we, we did the grain mafia episode uh, around that, uh, around that whole concept and, and everything. But anyway, so that I, I looked up, we went through GMD. It was a, it was a fun afternoon yesterday. Roger and I going through all of it, <laughs> reading through comments, just having a ball, but uh Anyway, so I wanted to, you talked about the victim mentality and stuff like that. So this is, this is kind of a, a good kickoff into that sphere. Here's a, here's a post by a guy. I, we're not, we'll keep the names, sure. uh, you know, this is a private Facebook group, you know, so you, uh, he says, I have seen chance, this. Wait, wait, is there what? a chance you would want to describe the profile picture? <laughs> We'll take it as a case-by-case basis. <laughs> Angry dog. <laughs> anyway, I have seen the snow. I have seen the floods. I have seen the so-called $50 billion deal with China. I am sure the grain mafia will make a huge profit. If you're a farmer, you can never be a made guy in the grain mafia. So Susan, you work for the grain mafia. What do you say? Well, at first I was wondering exactly who is the grain mafia, but I, I gather that the... Green Mafia would be the 
larger grain companies. Is that right? Yes. Well, I think so. In a in another a separate post that same day, he named the CME group specifically as as the grain mafia as a part of it, of course. Yeah, like you said, it's it's all the all the big people, basically everybody except for farmers. Okay. Yes. The, uh, I am the victim mentality. Yeah, he says, um, he's in a, in a comments down here, people are kind of questioning him, uh, so to speak. He says, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not emotional. He's practical. He says, I farmed for 37 years. I used to make good money. However, since the mafia took over, I have not. So, so I'm 40 years old, 37 years I'm trying to think in that time frame. I'm not a market historian, but I think the years of that time frame with the highest prices have been like in, within the last 12 years, 13 years, something like that. Well, but you know, all the input costs go up more, you know, you just can't ever get ahead. It's impossible now with the, if anything, the mafia has made the price go up. That's all I'm saying. Well, I thought the CME group had been around longer than 37 years, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a historian on that. So this was what got us kicked off originally from, from here. But obviously, yesterday we, we found quite a quite a bit more uh, surprising, eye-opening uh, ideas floating out there. Yes. You, uh, yeah. So let's. I don't. Uh, I don't even know what to say. But I, honestly, I'm I'm somewhat speechless. Just. The whole idea of the so-called green mafia but i'm just wondering who got the horse head in their bed that's the you know the mafia does that right they, yeah, they cut off animal heads mm -hmm. actually i just watched the godfather a few nights ago oh well, then you exactly know what it is yeah. but there was no mention of this crazy basis stuff or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, and some of these they they're uh, you know generally good posts, and then uh, some exciting stuff happens uh, down in the comment section. So this this guy makes a post saying, "Hey, you know, um, mostly you know we talk about on here, which happens a lot of how the merchandisers are after farmers and and um, you know talking about plugging loads and stuff." He I, he says, "You know, it's better to just be honest." Um, with the guy in the first place and be up front and people can, you know, get a lot, a lot better going. So anyways, then <clears throat> it, anyways, from that, uh, some good discussion was happening. And then uh, one of our good buddies here says, uh, and <laughs> we talked, this, this, this made the rounds on Twitter because uh, I, I uh, yeah, posted this while back. He says the creation of basis uh, after Katrina was quote putting the screws to us, I shouldn't have to pay for my freight and theirs too. That should be their damn problem. So here we get the. Um, this is the this, genesis moment of basis, if you will. Yeah, when yeah. basis began and let there be hurricane, let there be basis. <laughs> That's um, so this yeah, the creation of basis after Hurricane Katrina. That's. This one should win a little, it needs to have a little trophy beside it for, this one is the, a trophy with the poo emoji right on top of it, the <laughs> so-called creation of basis after Katrina. Uh, just the fact that someone actually 
managed to type that out. Susan, you, it's, uh, it's your job now to actually disprove that. Yeah, Can you do that? So yeah. So here's the here's the fun fact about me. So I I grew up on a farm, but nothing to do with grain. So in 05, I graduated college that spring and I go to work at a country elevator. So this is my first harvest um, ever. And the manager of the elevator was gone on a couple week vacation in Europe. And at the time it wasn't, you know, email and cell phones when you were traveling internationally wasn't exactly commonplace. So I learned very quickly what a hurricane can do to uh, an elevator facility that's feeding a river market. Um, and of course, here recently, we went through Hurricane Ida, which kind of brought back somewhat of a similar situation in that you have all of a sudden barge freight goes very high because you have, a, you have facilities. Well, let me back up. So SIF uh, takes a breather. Obviously, if you were an exporter, you're not interested in accumulating a significant amount of barges or bushels if you are not operational because you either have damage or you have a power outage and you're not sure how long it will be before it's restored. And then of course that creates a problem with barges and barge freight because you have barges that were already in transit that can't unload. And then the entire system just starts getting backed up. Um, and it's definitely, it's a ripple effect. I don't even know where to begin to start to explain the math and whatnot. I don't know, guys. What do you think? I, you know, hurricanes are just evil. Is what I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the most important thing to remember is, and and actually the Katrina situation. The, I think where the majority of that it was more flooding, and our Gulf exporting facilities didn't take as they took a more direct hit with Ida. Right, right. Um, the biggest problem with Ida was that you have these power outages. And when you also, and then, you know, you, you don't have people that are there to work at the facility because they're dealing with their own problems. And it was just a tremendous amount of unknown. Um, you know, we're very fortunate that we live or that we're farming or we're involved in an industry that has one of the, has the most efficient river system in the world. And that's why we've been um, the biggest exporter in the world for mm -hmm. a long time. So that system itself is one of the reasons that we have excellent values. And when that system that runs very efficiently, when something happens, it takes it down, it creates a very large problem very quickly because we forget how important and how efficient it really is. Yeah. So um, when something, it's kind of like if you, you plug, you know, you plug the end of a funnel and then what, what happens? It gets back, you know, backs up everywhere else. So that's what's happening. And it's just very unfortunate that people can't understand that for every uh, natural disaster like that, it takes things offline and then it ultimately creates, uh, wreaks havoc. Right. To, to every participant, not just 
not just the farmer yeah. in this case, everybody. You yeah. ask any elevator that had stuff to be shipped out down there going. Oh, to, yeah. I, I, I was in Louisiana. I was running an elevator in Louisiana that year, you know, and it was it was August. We were in harvest, full fledged, you know, and then all of a sudden you go from going hard as you can to can't go yeah. anywhere because everybody's closed. And it's yeah, it impacts everybody. Yeah, the the sorry, the the whole basis deal is I guess it's this conspiracy, the victim mentality is like never let a never let a good crisis go to waste, right? So that's what the elevators did. They just pounced on this, they created basis and uh because before really that, we were all bidding even, apparently. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere you go. <laughs> the only, you know, it's just your freight to get it to Chicago. And from, you know, anyways, that the uh, but the interesting thing is, and, and so this is where it applies to not just at hurricanes or or uh, or on the river is um, is the, the deal of like buyers. Like a lot of this stuff, when when it got crazy, the freight rates, the percent of tariff, which is how they how they quote the barge freight on the river, goes from like you know normally being a few hundred, maybe three hundred percent or something, to like fifteen hundred percent or something like that. It was it was crazy. So um, that is, I mean, it's cost of freight, right? So yeah. so they still have a bid in New Orleans, but now the freight, so that the spread between an elevator who's basing their bid on, if you had to fob everything back from that bid to the inland port or elevator or whatever, well, now there's a lot bigger freight spread. So now they're thinking, okay, these guys are normally whatever cents off of say New Orleans, and now they're 50, 60 more cents or something like that. These guys are just taking advantage, but you know, so it's, but it's not just a thing that happens when a hurricane hits a river. This is, this happens um, at harvest time or when crush spreads aren't great or the ethanol margins aren't very big. All of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're closing on Wednesday for the week. And, uh, but we're going to raise our bid, even though we're not buying anything, they won't allow you to, you know? And so the elevators are like, what are we supposed to do with all this? I guess we got to back off our bid because we can't actually sell it to this ethanol plant or whoever it is. And, uh, and, and that's another thing where it kind of drives the, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going a different direction, but it does kind of, kind of drives the mistrust of, uh, of farmers towards the elevators and how their basis is getting figured when you don't want my bushels when the end user seems to be fine but then there's this differential that's expanded between the two so yeah everything in this industry is the domino effect to the extreme and i think that that's one thing that gets a lot of people confused is they they always feel like um uh, it's like your it's like your local elevator wasn't kind enough to call you up directly and say, "Hey, guess what? The uh, ethanol plant we're hauling to is all of a sudden full, so therefore we have to back up our basis by X amount because we can't hold any more ourselves or whatever that may be." Yeah. Um, yeah, and it and the thing is that things change really quickly. The more efficient that your system becomes, the better your system is the faster it can change and the mm -hmm. wider that those swings can be. So for instance, going into, and I'll talk for days about river, uh, the river system, because that's generally kind of my bread and butter market, but going into the kind of the weekend ahead of Hurricane Ida, 
the fear was that that storm was going to head straight up the Delta and potentially cause some problems with damage, with uh, too much water on beans, that kind of thing. And so we saw the, the Gulf bidding up quite a bit for quick ship beans. So you saw um, stronger bids going into the weekend. Well, then all of a sudden the storm turned and ended up kind of hitting your Gulf facilities dead, like square on. And then, um, so then the uh, hurricane swung off to the east more, didn't hit the Delta. And then all of a sudden it was like this weird, perfect storm. We went from, oh my gosh, we want all the beans and we want them now to, holy cow, we don't want your bushels. We don't want them tomorrow. We don't want them next week. Um, so those create even bigger swings. And a lot of times if you're halfway close to a river facility or a feeder of a river facility, anytime that you see a really big change in basis, say 10, 15, 20 cents in one day, 9.9 .9 times out of 10, it's related to barge freight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, because each time you move, each time you move freight 100%, uh, on beans, that's 12 cents a bushel. On corn, that's 11 cents a bushel. So when we've seen some swings here in recent weeks that have been um, 200%, 300% in one week, something like that, that makes for a big change. So you can go from a, a plus five basis to a minus 25 really quickly. And like you said, we've seen that. I mean, it, it happens and it Hello and behold, there's usually a legitimate mathematical reason <laughs> that it has happened as opposed to yeah. just someone out to get someone else, you know, and that's, um, which seems logical and would be the first choice for most people. Yeah. So, I mean, so to put this post to bed a little bit, I, thank so, God, <laughs> some context, here. but you know, he, his, the creation of bases was at Katrina, which is wild. And we think, oh, this is most people, well, he, you know, he, he didn't, that's what he heard from somebody, you mm -hmm. know, it's maybe he wasn't in the business in 05 and he got, you know, started sure. farming in 08 or something. And that's just what he heard. There wasn't a bit, you know, and, uh, but, you know, and there's other, I shouldn't have to pay for my freight and theirs too. So not only was he told that he told his invention that, to make the farmers pay for the commercials freight, which is crazy. Well, if you own your own farm truck, Jason, it doesn't cost anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then, um, but the, so at first you think, okay, maybe this guy's joking, but he's really not. Cause somebody asked him, you know, he says they created after Katrina is what I've always heard. Maybe not. So searching through GMD posts as we've done to do our, our extensive research we've done for this episode, but um, <laughs> extensive, the, uh, more than most, I'll, I'll give it that. But anyways, uh, he had posted a full year before this, that it, pretty close to that same comment about it starting at Katrina. Just nobody really pushed back on it. It just got lost in a, a thread. A of hurricane of comments. So he's believed this for ed over a year at least. Um, and no one's ever really. This goes back him. to what I always say, Jason. We have to as a society do something about rural coffee shops <laughs> gotta put an end to them this digital coffee shop of, you know you said that he had posted something like that previously or whatever i'm thinking yeah and he's told every single person he's encountered exactly. in the meantime 
Yeah. Okay. So a, a lot of folks like at the, you know, merchandiser chair at the elevator and wherever you are, you know, central Iowa or wherever you think, okay, people don't really think this, you know, that's just, man, people do. <laughs> there are, there are people out there that think, you know, basis is just the elevators cut. That's what, you know, it's 30 under because that's how much the elevator makes today or whatever it is, you know, and you know, what's interesting is these comments I've noticed there's usually when it comes to basis and elevators cut type of, of, uh, of thoughts, you don't see that coming from people in the South or Southeast where they're in perpetual overs. You just never see it because yeah. it just makes. Hey, well, that last guy, then he's the exception to the rule. Well, that's, really that's what I was thinking. Too. I was like, you guys never have unders down there. What's, what's this yeah. cut? I mean, I, you know, you have to, you think about it and I can remember, I mean, we're talking basis levels. Go. I can remember during Katrina posting like a dollar fifteen cash corn bed or something because the basis was just so nasty. But it was mm-hmm. because there was literally there wasn't anywhere to go with anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's the that's the problem. And unfortunately, we're not. I think we're in a society that we just continue to breed more and more illogical unrational people um that seems I would like second it. that i yeah. was i was about to say oh man maybe that's a comment you need to cut out of here but i have a feeling everyone's shaking their head agreeing i would assume um, most people listening to this podcast right now are, are are in agreement with what's being said up to this yeah, point <laughs> I, and i mean i think there's a there's a problem too that a lot of producers do not realize that we have you know your cash price is uh, cash price minus your futures is your basis. And everyone wants to pick on it when it's a negative number, but they you don't hear them complaining when it's positive. Right. When uh, it's positive, it's because those jerks in Chicago are trying to keep them down. Oh, that's right. Upside down. Yeah, that. they're that's keeping the second the, part of the grain mafia, right? Yeah. CME group. They're trying to keep prices too low. Obviously, it shouldn't be that low. That's why our basis is so high. Yeah. Mind I, explode. <laughs> It certainly does. Unfortunately, um, you know, baseless reflection of more local local supply and demand, or just a reflection of the market that those bushels will eventually make their way into. Absolutely. And there are opportunities, and unfortunately, uh, sometimes producers become fixated on basis. A lot of times, if it's a really good basis. They think that that's the only thing that they need and they're not. And I had this conversation with a producer this morning. What does that 60 over really mean if we're, you know, if we're talking $6 futures or if we're talking $3 futures? Let's back up a little bit and reassess where our priorities are. Um, anyway, okay. Here's, here's a fun post from a guy without a shirt on. And uh... I was going to say, <laughs> you mind to... Can you be a little more descriptive on this uh, this profile pic? I'll let you be the you you wanna you wanna describe no, it. Don't, don't zoom in I'm anymore, please. Nightmares. There you go. Anyways, so uh, this original comment, and I guess my maybe thing is the comment made after, but it, it's all it's all fun. Um, I just want to say, for one, I'm impressed that he spelled it correctly because I don't know if I would spell it correctly. Yeah, it's, uh, he might be French. 
uh, originally. So force majeure, that's a French word, right? Why are you looking at me? You're like a, you know, you talk to Canadians all the time. Um, (laughs) Force majeure, he says, uh, does that work for us farmers too? Unreal the games that get played. So okay, so let's clarify first. Force majeure would yeah. be what is a, that? An act of God, unforeseeable circumstances. That is you mean the game that gets played. <laughs> no, we're talking about two different things. You okay. and the shirtless guy were talking about the game. <laughs> I was talking about actual force majeure. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> so this is uh, there's a is there's something... a distinction there, right? I mean, you're absolutely right. There's a distinction there. No comment. <laughs> so, uh, do so, acts of God work for us farmers too? I think the answer is yes, because like it rains in the summer and things like that. Is that an act of God that works for them? <sighs> you know, I just I noticed though he did use the correct two. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um Sorry. always impressed by the good, good grammar and spelling in here but anyways the um you know force force majeure obviously you know well you've defined it but <clears throat> that can be frustrating another you know victim mentality is like oh there's something else out here that happened i must be the the victim of it because it happened, you know, things aren't going as well as i'd hoped so i must be getting victimized by something so here's another thing that happens that maybe I'm getting victimized. But anyways, the great is the comment below. There's only one comment received for this post. And it says, it's a gym. The farmer, always the screw, never the screwdriver or not screwdriver. (laughs) It can't be both. I know that. (laughs) Is that true? And you guys uh, experiences? No, I've I've, uh, had plugged loads coming to the elevator. So I know that that is not true. Well, I, there's no know, always or never in this business, Jason. Well, I just, I talked to a lot of, you know, obviously on my side, I, I talked to the, the gray merchandiser, I think the elevators. And to me, it sounds like they, I, if you wanted to use this metaphor, I wouldn't use this metaphor, but, the, but if you, you could apply it, they are pressured uh, a lot by their farm customers to do a lot of things that are not in their best interest. And uh, whether it's policies, whether it's a new type of contract that they don't understand, don't want to do, but this is a guy that brings me a lot of grain and maybe I should just do it or else he might not, you know, yada, yada. And, and they run an apple test for a second time. This is something you should never do. (laughs) Right. Well, anyways, there's a lot of things that to say that farmers are always the screw, never the screwdriver, you know, Uh, turn a blind eye to some situations i guess that's how i'll say it yes 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 that's exactly how you said it okay (laughs) but so just for the record force majeure impacts everybody literally (laughs) (laughs) just in case you're listening out there and didn't know that it applies it's a rising tide lifts all ships sort of thing we're not like trying to crucify everybody here for making comments. We're crucifying ideas. <laughs> it people. might seem like it, but we're not. I think this is a, this is a good general point. I don't think this comes from any place of, you know, victimization yeah. or anything like this. This is just a question. good point that, that, you know, got, they got some good comments and all that stuff. Um, but it, it's a, it's a mentality that's out there. So he posts, is there any point to buy grain from the local elevator and try to deliver it to an ethanol plant 
or end user. Is there any point to doing well, that? Well, he didn't use a question mark, so I'm assuming it's not a question. <laughs> no, the grammar yeah, point. I believe it's a statement. Okay, all right. <laughs> so uh, thank you to this fine fellow for essentially pointing out arbitrage. But so, so dig into that a little bit, Susan. You know, I, I would imagine uh, you, you've encountered situations like this before, even maybe similar questions. But uh, uh, kind of yeah, go over would, a little bit of what what's what's the the push behind this idea of arbitrage. Well, so the classic um, things get out of balance. You have uh, and it creates opportunities. So let's just assume you have an ethanol plant that they're running kind of low on corn. They're attempting to secure bushels and they're paying quite a bit more, more than what the freight spread would be the cost to truck it from a country mm -hmm. elevator to the plant. So there's an arbitrage opportunity there. Maybe the, the local co-op is unaware of what the ethanol plant is paying. Or you know what? Maybe the local co-op is aware of what the ethanol plant is paying. Um, you know, there's it, it's the same thing that we see happening. It happens in export markets. It happens with imports. Uh, soybean oil would be an excellent example here lately with Argentine oil potentially working back into the U.S., which seems ridiculous, but it happens. Things get mm -hmm. out of balance and it creates opportunity. Um, now, in the this fine fellow, what he was suggesting, either his question or uh, the statement that he's making, he's saying, can he go, go wheeling into his local co-op, load out corn, buy corn, and then take it down the street and maybe dump it and make more money. Uh, well, well, that's a great in, idea in theory. Yeah, well, and, and people chimed in and, and said right away, like, you know, if they're going to charge you a loadout fee, it's going to get, you know, you got these other costs in it. You're going to have to wait in line. There's no line at the elevator and stuff like that. And he's like, oh yeah, those are all good points. I didn't think of. And, you know, he, he's it seemed like a, a genuine guy, I think more focused on trucking than, than most. And so that was just his thing. Yeah. How can I keep my truck busy? Right. And um, so anyways, but the Jim uh, came in the comment section from a guy, he says, local co-op here is buying corn for 30 under the board and selling it to the ethanol plant. It's five miles away at 10 over. You could pull your own corn out of the elevator, deliver it to the ethanol plant and make money. But if you try to buy corn from them that they own, it would cost you 15 over the board to buy it from the elevator. He says, highway robbery, if you ask me. And then he says, ah, there's somewhere around 24 cents charge he spelled sense uh in the wrong sense of the word um, um, to you sir <laughs> and uh but anyways as as we go on but um so people start asking about this scenario right so he's he's defined this scenario there's an elevator five miles from an ethanol plant paying 30 under and selling it to the ethanol plant for 10 over that's what he's described big 40 cent margin later he describes it as what he calls a 45 cent margin but um, math, is, you know, math is hard. Well, there was Carrie in the comments. There's been a few comments. There you go. It's a comment, Carrie. So um, anyways, he's asking you, Mercer, that's a that's a, quite a margin and uh, goes on. 
and he talks about, I guess he's an advisor, which, you know, um, makes sense. So hey, he's advisor is we use he advises his clients easy. to build bins so ah. that L, the co-ops can't do this to them. Yes. Because co-ops, you know. Um, um, I, last I checked, I mean, most people were in business to try to make money in their That's business. what I thought. But, but hey. Uh, I, I think the thing that really needs to be addressed here is his, his use of the idiom of highway robbery. If I understand highway robbery correctly, you have no recourse when you're robbed on the highway. This guy just doesn't need to go buy a corner from the co-op. I don't, I'm just saying it's not an appropriate idiom here and I'll shut up. Okay. So here's, he comes back. Uh, so here, here's where it gets to the crux of what I thought was interesting in this whole uh, back and forth he has with a few guys, but he says, he said, I don't think that's what I'm saying. He's at, at least not me. I'm more, irrit more irritated that a co-op is buying corn from producers and selling it for a 40 cent margin, five miles away. I thought co-ops, we're supposed to help farmers get better bids for them all. seems like in this case, they're keeping profits and will probably pawn it off and say, you'll get a good patronage check. I'd rather get my guys better cash prices than rely on patronage. So a lot, a lot to unpack there. So, Especially your pronunciation of patronage. 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 I don't know how to say uh, it. You know, it's, it's, that's a, Two, that's a two-way street right there. Um, I, uh, but yeah. So, how would you first, address this? First of all, that the co-op exists, and I, we saw this on some other posts here. I don't know if they'll they'll come up as we go here, but we're seeing this on some other posts that co-ops exist to collectively bargain for higher prices for their customers. Is that true? Is that is that what they do in board meetings? I've been to some co-op board meetings. I don't ever remember them talking about negotiating prices. Do they do that? Not anyone I've ever been in okay. or worked for. Yeah, you work for one. That's right. Um, I guess so anyways, the, thing, the thing that's difficult here is, or I guess how I would approach it, if a producer was to ask me about this, I would say, you know, why don't you call the guy at the co-op and see if he has sales on at the ethanol plant that are, you know, why don't you see if you can switch your contract over there and add some money mm -hmm. to your existing sale versus being angry at the co-op for taking advantage of an arbitrage opportunity. Or I would think about, well, if the ethanol plant's bidding that good, then maybe I should sell that corn to the ethanol plant. Um, yes. Those are two yeah. very reasonable responses. So here's <laughs> where here's where it gets it gets crazy, right? So he's he's you know detailed this a few times now in this thread, and then this guy comes back to him and says, "Look, I agree on your comment about patronage. Uh, How should I say it? it patronage right? for patriots. You can say okay. you know what? I've heard it both ways, and I, I have too. That's why things I, the wrong way. Patronage so okay. sounded like I was like an English person. Uh, so you know." I thought you could go, you could say patronage backslash or just say patronage slash patronage, whichever you prefer. Are you a co-op patron? <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, you are wrong. if you're from England. I mean, they say things, they say their vowels weird, right? <laughs> okay. Don't so moving right, on so they, guys, it says they were 43 under and the ethanol plant was 35 under. 
Yes. But they always have long lines and are slow. Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. There we go. So that was the deal. He acted like it was a 40 cent back to back that day. It was because the guy says, why That's would an eight you sit bid difference? Yeah. The guy makes the case. He's like, why? Like you guys are saying, why would you ever deliver to him in the first place if you could dump five miles away for that much better? And then the guy finally says, well, it wasn't that at harvest time. There were 4,300 and the ethanol plant was 35. Wow. If, if anything, the co-op is bidding too much because the there's, corn. Yeah, because there's crazy long lines at the ethanol plant, he says. So this is the, his whole scenario. It, apparently, there was only an eight cent different for an ethanol plant five miles away that had crazy long lines and the co-op didn't have lines. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So the guy, the guy that's talking to him comes back and says, so he sums it up perfectly. The co-op provided the farmer a service, faster unload times, and a close enough basis to justify the farmer dumping there. Sounds like they need to move on and not let the anger over the marketplace changing cloud their next marketing decision. Every elevator out there provides a service in one way or another. Oof. And that yeah. was the end. Yeah, that one, that one hurt. That's, I mean, this guy, he's just thinking there's this great injustice, but it turns out, you know, I, the, I still love it how they describe the, the difference in the bids, that eight cent difference or whatnot, the ethanol plants being a little bit better, but they always have long lines and they're slow. Well, no kidding. <laughs> Why? Uh, you know, you get, I've bought a millions of bushels going into processors and the thing is you know that you know what you're getting into you have to be okay with that you have to you know you have to approach it you have to get in yeah yeah there's certain things you got to understand about it and and it's it's one thing when you're talking with a guy, say, in June or July about new crop, it's like, oh, yeah, of course I'll deliver it there. It's a better bid. <laughs> well, the reality is when you get to harvest and everyone's backed up, it's like. It's the parking lot. Yeah. No one wants to go deliver direct into some of these places. So it's, so it's like to remind them of that and also to remind them that you have flexibility in your contract. Contract and deliver it here. If you still really want to go direct the next month. We'll adjust it. You can go direct, you know, whatever. Yeah. And again, again, the most, the most important thing is that you work with, you work with an elevator that's willing to be flexible Absolutely. and you work with a merchandiser that you trust, because if you have a good merchandiser, they are going to help you find opportunities that add, uh, add revenue. Yeah. It, it, you know, that's just, that's how it has to be. And honestly, it does not matter. It doesn't matter if it's the local co-op, if it's an independent, or if it's Cargill. You can right. find, there are good merchandisers and bad merchandisers. You have to be able to sort through them and find someone that, that's on your side. Yeah, and, and you know, we'll get back to the, the harvest thing here, just as an example. There was many a harvest. I would have been tickled to death if the farmers that were coming in and I was already about full wanted to haul it direct themselves. <laughs> that's one less truck I had to to dump at the elevator. And that's one less truck I had to find to get something outbound just to tread water, you know? So, you know, I, I hope that the producers out there listening to this aren't always uh, assuming that, uh, uh, you know, that this, the elevator always wants the stuff to come in at certain times. Well, there's, there's times when, no, it would be a big help to haul this stuff direct if they could. So, yeah. 
Okay, as fun as this is, uh, we're going to have to make this a two-parter. But before we go, uh, Susan, I want you to, to uh, let the folks out there that's uh, made it this far, uh, tell them how they can uh, get a hold of you or find out more information about you and what you do. Okay, I would say the easiest without attempting to spell out Reading Huber Ag Consulting. Um, if you Google us, you should be able to find us, but you can find me on Twitter, Susan David at Susan Noble. Um, you can sign up there. There's a link there where you can sign up. I send an email out called Noble. Uh, the Noble stands for Noble. Oh, can I cuss on this? Absolutely. Oh, it's, okay. It's so, happened now. Uh, anyway, you can you can sign up for it there. Um, we have a couple months left here that that weekly email is still free. So awesome. All right. Um, well, well, thanks guys for having me. Absolutely. And and uh, yeah, so that's it. I guess we're about out of time for for this episode. So we will have a part two. We will put a pin in it for here and uh, call this episode good. But thanks as always for checking us out. As always, thanks for downloading and listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with folks you know in the business. And if you'd like to reach out anytime about anything at all or have any show ideas, you can always find us on Twitter at Elevators Cut. Follow us there, tweet at us, DM us, and we'll always respond. Till next time, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevators Cut. Oh.